John chapter 15. Tuning in online, welcome to Little Sandy Baptist Church, 3569 State Route 3307, Greenup, Kentucky. If you don't have a regular church home of your own, we invite you to worship with us each and every Sunday and Wednesday, Wednesday at 7, and then Sundays at 10 and 11 and 6. John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husband men. But or every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me ye can do nothing. We're in John chapter 15, verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. The Lord's blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, I pray that you guide and direct my words. May I be filled with your spirit. Be with those teaching downstairs. Thank you for the beautiful morning that you have given to us. Thank you for the Lord's day as we've gathered in your house. May we learn from your word together. May we be challenged with the idea of bearing fruit. Yes, we know Christ as personal Savior. We are to be bearing fruit as part of the proof that we are your children. So help us, Lord, and convict us if necessary, if needed. And may we respond to your Holy Spirit's working in our hearts and lives. Forgive me of sin, empty me of self, and please fill me with your spirit this day. And ask these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There's a, a pastor tells a story of how that he, as a young child, lived by a vineyard. And so right next door, a big vineyard, and it was had some wonderful grapes. And then eventually the vines became overgrown, the grapes got smaller, and each year the harvest dropped significantly until only thing was left was the cadavers of the grapes, otherwise known as raisins. Now, in contrast to that neighbor vineyard of this one pastor, the negligent vineyard, there is the largest grape vine in the world, over 250 years of age, located in Hampton Court Palace, London, or in England, I think London, England. It is simply called the Great Vine, not Grape, but the Great Vine. Its base is 13 feet in circumference, 13 feet around. Its longest branch is 120 feet, and it bears between 500 and 700 bunches of grapes annually. The largest crop was 845 pounds of grapes in one year. That is called the Great Vine in England. We talked about, we understand the gospel message. We, if you've been here, we understand that you are a sinner, I am a sinner. We are in need of Christ's forgiveness. We repent of our sin, knowing that we are child of, we're lost and undone. So we repent, confess, I'm a sinner. Jesus, we ask Christ to come into our heart and life and be our Savior. That's the most important decision any of us will ever do. It was. We were just praying, as we prayed yesterday morning, uh, one specific prayer was that the Lord would work in the hearts and lives and spirits of, of the people in our area, that they would come to know Christ as their very own personal Lord and Savior. It, it's life-changing, honestly. 
If you know, if you've trusted Christ, it is life-changing. So that's the salvation experience. But once we are saved, we go from salvation to sanctification to becoming more like the Savior. That's what he wants from us, is that we become more and more and more like the Savior. The true vine, he says, if we are faithful, God will make us fruitful. Fruitful involves more than just leading people to the Lord. Fruitfulness involves Christ-like character. If you're reading your devotional yesterday from Henry Morris, uh, he said Christ-like character is a fruit of the Spirit or part of the being filled with the Spirit. Holiness is fruit that we might bear, doing good works, uh, that giving thanks and praise rather than complaint and criticism. That's part of fruit. A generosity is another part of fruit. And a Christian witness born to a lost and dying world. Those are all part of fruit we are to bear. If you are a fruit, I don't say you're a fruit. If you're a fruit tree, I'm, okay, sometimes I act like a fruit. If you're a fruit tree, you are to be bearing fruit. That's what you're that's what you've given life for, eternal life for, was to share with others. So when he says he is the true vine, he's employing an image that Israel was very familiar with, just like the, the bald eagle was a symbol of America. The grapevine was often, in a way, a symbol of Old Testament Israel. We find that even Old Testament Israel is portrayed as God's vine. Josephus says in his book, The Wars of the War, uh, Jews, he said that, Quoting, but that gate, which was at this end of the first part of the house, was all over covered with gold, and as was its hole about, it had also golden vines above it, from which clusters of grapes hung as tall as a man's height. End of quote. Grapes appeared on coins. We've talked about even grapes in Sunday school today. We're going to talk about grapes for a moment even this evening. So we had grapes for breakfast yesterday, some grapes. So grapes are, have been a, a big part uh, of, of the diet of many people, specifically the Jew uh, in the culture of the Old Testament especially. In our culture, though, it would be, it would be like Jesus were walking through a field of corn or soybeans, and he was going to use that for an example. And so the symbolism is clear. In Psalm chapter 80, verse 8, it says, Thou hast bought a vine out of Egypt, thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it, Unfortunately, the people of Israel did not do as God had wanted them to do, and so they were put aside, as you well know, in due decimate time, put aside even in a captivity time, and now we're in the times of the Gentiles, when the Gentiles are ruling over and Jews are subservient to the Gentiles. They did not follow. In Psalm, again, chapter 80, verse 12, you want to follow Psalm 80, verse 12, Why hast thou then broken down her hedges, so that all they which pass by the way do pluck her? The boar out of the wood does waste it, and the wild beast of the field doth devour it. God has got, there is some grape expectations, if you would, God's grape expectations for us. He wants us to, to be obedient. Israel and Isaiah, if you want to turn over to Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1, instead of producing sweet grapes, Isaiah 5, 1 through 4, they produce sour grapes. If you've ever been outside, maybe as a young child, you got on some grapes or some green grapes, and they were so sour, they turned your mouth into a pucker. That was the idea of Israel. Instead of being sweet and juicy grapes, they were sour. Isaiah 5, 1, Now will I sing unto my well-beloved the song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. My beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should 
should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard than I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, it brought, brought it forth wild grapes." Israel, matter of fact, if you've studied the history of Israel, it took the, the 70 years of captivity to get idolatry out of their system, if you would. They had all these things going on. Jehovah was their God. Solomon, about 970 to 930 BC, brought in all these foreign women and foreign gods, and Israel divides 930 BC, northern kingdom, southern kingdom. 722, the northern kingdom goes into captivity. 586, the southern kingdom, because it goes into captivity, they would not surrender to God. Now, there are three characters in this vineyard. First of all, we see in 15.1, back over to our text, John 15.1, Jesus is the true vine. True, a vine means simply a root or a trunk. Is part of that which comes out of the ground. There's often really not much to look at. You know, I've gone by vineyards, and you'll see, all you see is the scraggly old vine. There is not barely a leaf on it. Why are they doing that? Well, there's a purpose to that. I like the leaves. Well, then you don't like much fruit then. I think a lot of Christians today are mostly leaves, almost all leaves, and very, very, very little true fruit. He's the true vine. Isaiah 53, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. I've seen, we've tried to portray people, Christ on the cross. I tell you, he was so mutilated, unrecognizable as a human being. And I don't necessarily want to see that. And there's no actor that's going to be willing to go through. I mean, my goodness gracious. And, but that's what he did for us, pictured for us. There's no comeliness, that, and we shall see him. There's no beauty that we should desire him. In contrast to faithless and fruitless Israel, Jesus is the picture of, of how to be true to what you're supposed to be doing. He, he's the picture of obedience. We might render this, I myself am the vine, the real one. True means genuine or real, distinct from counterfeit. It is the real thing. He's a true vine. Secondly, the second Character is the father. He's the husbandman in our text in 15, chapter 15, verse 1, toward the end there, 15, 1. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it might bring forth or may bring forth more fruit. So he is the husbandman or farmer or vine dresser. It literally means one who tills. And here, the task of the vine dresser is to grow grapes. That's the purpose. To grow grape. It's not to have this really beautiful foliage and have people coming through like, a, oh, what a beautiful flower garden you have. You can go elsewhere if you want to go to flower garden. Go to, uh, go to the Biltmore House in, in North Carolina, Asheville, if you want to see flower gardens or other places around the world. Beautiful flower gardens. The husbandman, he, he, he's fertilizing. He's controlling the weeds. He's controlling the pest. pests. He's giving it water. He cares for the, And we know the grapes must be clean and pruning must take place. The vine needs a gardener in order to produce grapes. The natural thing a vine does when it grows, it goes right back down the ground. And so the, the gardener comes along and picks it up, puts it back in the trestle where it's supposed to be, and allows the vine to grow and allows the grapes to stay off the ground. 
Even when you're raising tomatoes, you've got to pull out those sucker things so the tomatoes grow and you keep them off the ground or they're going to get the... I learned this past year, if you get blight from off the ground, the blight just spreads right off the tomato vine. And so there we go. Keep it off the ground if you want to have tomatoes. It's planted in order to, to get grapes, not flowers, but fruit. And the third is we. We are the branches. Three, now ye are clean through the word, which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. By the way, a church, uh, branches cannot survive storms without being attached to the true vine. You think a branch is not attached, it's sort of hanging by a thread. When the storm comes, off it goes. You and I have got to be attached to the true vine in a significant way. Otherwise, when a storm comes, we're going to bail out, if you would, if we're not careful. Our job is simple. We're to be faithful. Then God will make us fruitful. And the only way for that to happen is to tenaciously and faithfully be connected to the true vine. You and I have to work on the relationship with God. He wants to have that wonderful relationship, and it's a beautiful thing when you work on it. Now, there's four baskets, if you want to give them four baskets. There are basket number one, no fruit. Two is meager fruit. Three is more fruit. And four is much fruit. Which basket would you be carrying in this morning with you? If I gave you a basket and I asked my wife, do we have four matching baskets? And we didn't have four matching baskets or I would have had them up here this morning. If you were to carry a basket of the fruit of your Christian life, no, meager, more, or much. What what is it? One author said he believes that 50% of all Christians bear little fruit and only about 5% bear a lot of fruit. I would say probably 1% or 2% at the most bear much fruit. Uh, uh, Personal, from experience, much fruit. Something to ponder. Here's the principle. God, the governor, loves us so much and is so committed to displaying his glory that he actively cultivates our lives that we might bring glory to him. They may see our light and glorify our Father. They may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's the purpose of us. Is to glorify God, not that we. Oh wow! Did you see that? We had the, we just had this past week. It was that the NBA all-time scoring champion record was broken by LeBron James. He is now. He passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time. And a little blasphemous, I thought it was, but they had a picture of him, if you saw it on the internet, and he's sitting, he's got a crown on his head, and he's got his hands up like that, and back behind him is a stained glass window of him making a dunk. And the guy I worked with said, and you, can you see them bowing down to him as King James? Now, he's a, a basketball player. I would love to be you know, like, well, that be that good. But in eternity, what's that going to matter? What's going to matter, LeBron James is that have you trusted Christ as your very own personal Lord and Savior? That's the issue. And you, 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 have, you probably at two years old could outplay me in basketball, most likely, at least by four. But that's not the issue in eternity. In this life, you have made a name for yourself like nobody else. You're going to put him probably in the top two or three players of all time, possibly, if you're, if you're a fan of his. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, a couple others there. But we find there that he has done that. But what the most important thing is the basket of fruit you have as a believer. 
Now, first of all, there's the, the no fruit basket. And I trust this is not you, but the, the no fruit basket. In chapter two, uh, 15, verse 2, it's been a cause for a lot of consternation and confusion because it seems like that saying the Christian can lose his salvation. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth much fruit. And verse 6 adds, if, I, if man abide not in me, and he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, we have, to, as we talked about last time, you must interpret the things that are not quite as clear as with the absolute clarity. The Bible, I think, with clarity. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. He which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He saved us by his grace. He gave us everlasting life. If you're truly no Christ as Savior, 1 John 5, 11 to 13, you are eternally His. So losing, and by the way, I don't necessarily see the word salvation in verse 2 or verse 6, either one. So people get confused. Now remember, in the context of this delivering of this message, we've just had Judas go out. In chapter 13, verse 10, Jesus said, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. Judas had pretended to be latched on to the vine, but he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't latched on. In John 17, 12, later Jesus says, Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them are, is lost, but the son of perdition, that, he, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He had no fruit because he had no faith. That's the key. He had no faith. He wasn't truly born again. They went out from us because they were not of us, John says. John chapter 2, verse 19. It's similar to what it says in Romans eleven twelve, where Israel is pictured as an olive tree and some branches are broken off because of unbelief and they're placed believing Gentiles are gathered together. It's shocking to many Jewish people because they think they are so good that they don't have to receive the covenant of salvation. Matter of fact, in 2006, there was a little bit of a, a hecat over dual covenant theology or two covenant theology. Jerry Falwell was supposedly had gotten in line with the idea that the Jews have one covenant, the Gentiles have another, and during this church age, the Jews do not have to come to, as Christ as Savior, but they can skip over that necessity. I'm telling you, you cannot skip over the redemption of Christ in this era. You must receive him. And I will have to say, he quickly, it was in the Jerusalem Post, he quickly marched the first responded, I have never believed that, and I don't know how it got started. But there are teachers, a very well-known pastor in Texas still believes, I believe today, in dual covenant theology, that there's two covenants, one for the Jew, one for the Gentile. Interestingly enough, though, the church in Acts was comprised of all what? Jews. We have been grafted in by God's grace. So now we have the church. It supersedes Judaism. It supersedes the Jew or the Gentile. And now to be saved, Christ came to die for you. So you must receive Christ for yourself. Whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, we have the Watsons working with the Jewish people. A very difficult ministry to work with Jews. But God loves them just the same. And they, as you well know, the tribulation is a time for the Jews to turn to Christ. It's the 70th week of Daniel. And they'll, at the end... As a nation, not every single individual, but as a nation, they'll say, Jesus is our Messiah. What a wonderful thing that will be. So, your basket. 
Is it empty? Has there been no fruit? A true Christian will bear fruit. Let's consider the last three baskets then and finding fruit. Now, there are three ways to grow more fruit, according to the passage. First of all, number one, something we're really excited about is prepare for pruning. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Pruning now is done so that those who bring a meager amount of fruit will bear more. That's the whole idea. You trim off all the leaves so it goes, all the energy and nutrients goes to the grapes. We're not raising leaves, we're raising grapes. That's what we want. And, the, and on, on your tomato plants, those little sucker things get in there, you pinch them off. Because we want the food to go, what? To the tomatoes themselves, not to all of them. You can have a, I think I had a, a really good looking tomato plants for a couple of weeks until the blight came along. Not many tomatoes, but my goodness, did you see how nice those tomato plants looked? Wow. woo And so Mr. Womack graciously brought in tomatoes every week. And he said, now look at, look at this one, Pastor. Look how... Yes, Mr. Womack, a little more salt for that wound, please, a little more salt with that one. Soccer shoots, they have to be sliced off. From what I understand, most new grape growers fail because they don't prune enough. Good pruning creates a strong root system, involves the health of the vine, and most importantly, increases the yield. By way of illustration, there's a vineyard in California that covers 30 acres. It takes 500 man hours to prune three 13,000 vines. The wife of the gardener there in England who takes care of the great vine, she spends three months a year scraping the vine for the parasites. The extra bark is not needed. She spends three months of her year scraping that one huge grape vine. That's what she does. Flakes the bark off. Because of the numerous parasites, pruning must take place in order for the grapes to grow. Dead wood must be ruthlessly removed, and live wood must be cut back drastically. We might see, this as spring comes along, and I was just told my wife yesterday, I looked on the back 40, I said, I see some green grass back there. And you know, it's still only going to be a couple of months, and I'm going to have to be mowing again, may not, a couple months and a I'm just not looking forward to getting the lawnmower back out. But there's green grass already out there already. I'll tell you, the first person that mows and I hear their lawnmower money, I am going to wish a thousand fleas of a thousand camels on you. The first lawnmower. If it's before April the 1st, you have no business out there with your mower. That's my personal opinion because it makes everybody else look bad if you get your car early. So we find that there might be some really Cutting back to get those bushes. And I need to cut back some bushes by and I, on the left-hand side. Of our, I don't understand it. We need to be cut back. We understand those things. One writer said he described what happened when he was moved into the country one spring. The fence he shared with his neighbor had some grape vines on it. And, and they were looking forward to some juicy grapes with all the foliage. And a couple days later, he goes out and his neighbor... Trimming all the things down. He said, wait. He says... Neighbor, you must not love grapes. And the neighbor said, oh, oh, I love grapes, sir. I love grapes. And seeing the confusion, the gardener neighbor went on to say, well, son, we can either grow ourselves a lot of beautiful leaves, filling up this whole fence line, or we can have the biggest, juiciest, sweetest grapes you and your family have ever had. We just can have both. And I think that's it with us. You can have this all the frills of look at me, I'm Mr. Joe Christian, Mrs. Mr. Jill, Mrs. Jill Christian, look at me how I'm doing. Wow, I'm I'm doing all these things. God's not God looks on your heart. Now there are some things we should do as a child of God. But the fruit 
What's the fruit that I see? The purpose of a vineyard. The goal is grapes, not lush leaves and creative colors. So think about this. Points to ponder. God does not prune us indiscriminately. He knows what he's doing and he's following a precise plan so that you come out on the other side more like him. We don't want that. He had a very precise plan for Job. You, if we're going to study Job here coming up soon. Uh, and, uh, have you not considered my servant Job, Satan? Wait just a minute. Job, Job didn't, no, Job didn't start it. Have you not considered Job? Well, and God had a purpose. And by the time you get to the last chapters, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42 especially, Job's come around. God is great. That's the whole purpose of Job. God is great and marvelous. And it took the Job's suffering to help us to see that so clearly. Secondly, pruning involves pain. The father's pruning knife is sharp. It is not designed to ultimately damage or destroy us, but it's only unple- it's just to prune us. I just was told yesterday, person said, well, they got to do this with, I gotta, it's the only way it's going to get my thing, my part of my body fixed is if I have a surgeon's knife go in there and get it fixed. It's to help. That's what it's there for. And, and pruning thirdly can last a long time. It's not a process we do in a day or a week or even a year. And by the way, if you think that you are done with being pruned, you're probably prunees, what you probably are, you are going to need to be pruned. All your, it's the old branches that think, well, you know, I'm so old and withered. God, God can still use you. Moses didn't start his ministry till he was 8-0 AD, 80 years old. God has something you can do. Really, honestly, he does. Is God pruning us right now? If so, remember, it's not ultimately for our pain, but for our gain. David realized this, Psalm 119, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. That is the idea that he would be afflicted and grow more like Christ. You want to be more fruitful than you are right now? Then you need to go under the knife. And that's where, oh, just a minute now. Lord, I'll do this and I'll do that. But I really don't. when's the last time you said, Lord, I want some more pruning? Oh, I don't. It just comes. And when it does come, we have to step back and say, you know, God had a purpose for this. We have to trust him through all of this. Prepare for pruning. Secondly, finding fruit is deal with discipline. Three, now you're clean through the word, which I've spoken unto you. Natural response to a time a, a branch will grow uh, the natural course of time is the branch will grow rapidly, but will not necessarily go where it's supposed to go. That's why God wants us to follow him, and he directs us to get the branch out of the ground, put it in the trestle, and let the fruit grow. That's the idea. I think a lot of Christians are playing with sin. Allow the heavenly gardener to clean you off and pick you up and scrape off the parasites and put you back into service for him and grow you as he wants to grow you. Deal with the discipline that God may be sending your way. And remember, the gardener corrects in order to redirect. Hebrews 12. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yielded the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. The gardener has plans for you, and his actions are intended to move you toward the place he wants you to be. I did not have that Monday night. As I started Monday night at 4 o'clock with just simply putting a new energy in my toilet upstairs. 
And so I, I happened to get a package that had everything inside the toilet that needed to be. I said, I'll just go. I can do this. I, you know, I'm the unhandy man. I can fix my toilet. And so I got the toilet apart. I had to work, 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 sweat, 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 sweat. sweat. Finally got the bowl off, put it down here, put the new innards in, and got this done. And then I put the bowl. It wasn't fitting quite right because of the, of the seal of the new innards. I can do this. I tighten that and I had started to get the last part done here click 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 crack boom and broke the bowl of my toilet it's funny now it was not funny then I said Stephanie we had to go to Lowe's I, I just broke the toilet everything I do just falls apart when I'm I, I, Mr. Lauderdale you would not have said what you said in Sunday school if you'd have seen me Monday so here we go. We run the. We go now. We got that. So I said, I want a. I want a taller toilet. So I run the. I got there and they had the toilets on sale for one hundred nineteen dollars. The 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 chairs. Oh yeah, I can do that. So I got all the parts I need at home. So I get there and start putting. I get the toilet back on there and I get ready to hook the water up and it was too short. See, a chair height toilet is taller than the bottom, the little smaller toilet. Oh, I've got those, I've got those hoses. I, no problem. I run downstairs and, and Steve well knows I've got a lot of hoses. They just weren't the right, all these hoses and not the right one. Back to load. I go. Five hours. Five hours later. Sanctification completely lost. We have a, we have a nice toilet. Now, it's, it, it's crooked. The bowl's a little bit tilted. But I can tell you, It works. Thank you. It's all that counts. And but it's, can I just say, to my, it's crooked because our floor is crooked, uh, and our floor is crooked up there, and so it's quite crooked. But see, when God does something for us, I'm sure He had a lesson to learn for me to learn. I probably still have not learned it yet. Is He wants these things to make you more like Himself? Some of you are going through tragic things. You. Some of you may be going through tragic things this week. Maybe just coming out, maybe down the road. Some of you live in pain. Some of you are going through physical, financial, emotional strain. He wants us to trust him through all these so that when we get out on the other side, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. So prepared for pruning, deal with discipline. And then thirdly, resolve, resolutely remain in Christ, four and five. Resolutely abide in me and I abide in, and, and I in you. That's the key. This is a call to vigilance. The word abide means to stay, to dwell, or remain, to settle in for a long term, to abide in me. The branch has no life of its own. Abide means remain where it is, continues uh, in a fixed state. Abiding, it endures. Eleven times in John 15, 40 times in the Gospel of John, John mentions the word abide. I think it's kind of important that we are to abide in the branch. If you want to bear fruit, you have got to stay connected to the true vine. It, it's, it's a no-brainer. You must. Herein, in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. That's the purpose. Much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Without me, you can do what? Nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. It's, it's not in verse 5. For without me, ye can do nothing. Verse, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. You can't do anything on your own. Your own personal achievements mean nothing. Being coming the number one NBA scorer of all time, by the way, that is a hugely significant award. Outside of, but without Christ, 
It's a temporary thing. Now, I, I'm a, I've been a long, LeBron James fan. I don't hardly watch anything anymore, but in the past I was. I'm not trying to boohoo that. I'm just saying whatever you do, without Christ, it, but it's not going to last the test of time. The supernatural life is what the Christian is to have, and it only works when the supernatural Christ is living his life through you. That's how it is. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. That is the ticket. You must, Pastor, here he goes again, you must spend time in his word. You must. That's how it becomes. When you spend time in his word, he, then you grow to become more like Christ. And he teaches. I wonder, are, are we bent on enjoying as much of the world as possible? I think it's many Christians that are bent on enjoying as much of the world as possible rather than focusing on the eternal. Only when life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. That's it. Only what's done for Christ. George Bernard Shaw, the great playwright, was asked at the end of his life, he said, they asked him, if you could live your life over, Mr. Shaw, and be anybody you've known or any person from history, who would you be? And Mr. Thaw thought for just a moment and said, I would choose to be the man George Bernard Shaw could have been, but never was. That is it. Choose to be the Christian you could be with God working through your life rather than what you've settled for. We have settled for so much less than what we could be in Christ. I will wish I had given him more of it. I can almost guarantee you, if you have any kind of spiritual aptitude, when we stand before God, we're all going to be singing the same song. I wish I had given him more. Wish I'd given him more. But you've got to be hooked to the vine. Howard Hendricks tells a story in closing of a small town in Texas where a one year where one year the school burned to the ground and 200 people lost their lives because they had no sprinkler system. After, after the sorrow and a couple years later, they started to rebuild and they hired the greatest and the foremost company to come in, fire prevention company, and install this fantastic sprinkler system. And when the school was done, the, the, the people would take, or the leaders, the principal would take all the parents through and say, look at all, we got all these sprinkler systems here now. You know, we're, we're safe from harm. Well, later on, about 10 years or so later, they had to do some more construction. And what they discovered was the work started on the new building, addition to the building, and made a startling discovery. The new fire extinguishing sprinkler system had never been hooked to a water line. And had a fire come, same result would likely have happened. How many Christians sitting here this morning are not really hooked to the water line of Christ, the true vine? If you want to bear fruit, you cannot escape being hooked to the vine. Abide in him and he in you. Let's pray together. Lord, help me to abide in you. I pray that we as your children, most of us would say that this morning, we're your children. Lord, we should not be settled certainly with no fruit or even meager fruit, but we should be in the more fruit working toward the much fruit. Lord, if we and, that, and Lord, I am so short of that. I admit, I confess that, Lord. I pray that we'd be about your business, that we would be so connected to the vine that we are faithful, and as we are faithful, you make us fruitful. That, that's the, a simple principle, Lord, so hard for us to do. Lord, we can't do without you.
So Lord, I pray as your children, you'd leave your life through us this week. And Lord, if there even be one person under the sound of my voice that has yet to receive you as Savior, they've heard the gospel message, they know that they have sinned, and the Holy Spirit perhaps even this morning has spoken to their heart and, and knocked on their heart's door and said, you need to receive me. Lord, help them to come forward and to give their heart and life to you. So Lord, be with the invitation time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.